Welcome to Look Over Here, conversations with photographers and creatives working in the field of photography. I'm your host, Austin Nelson. This episode features Squire Fox, a commercial and editorial photographer based in New York. Squire sat down with me on a recent trip to my hometown, Charleston, South Carolina, and we talked about how growing up and moving 17 times in the American South helped him learn how to connect with anyone and how useful a skill that ended up being in making people comfortable in front of the camera. We also talked about how he approaches shooting on set with large teams and the importance of doing test shoots. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with any photography enthusiasts in your life. And check out lookoverherepodcast.com for additional content, photos, and resources. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy. Hey everybody, I'm here today with my friend Squire Fox, who is an incredible photographer based in New York, and he has a place here in Charleston, South Carolina with his family, and I'm lucky enough to catch him while he's here. Man, thanks for having me. Seriously, this is great. I'm, I'm honored. You're on to... Uh good stuff oh, thanks man <laughs> yeah I know, th- I know this podcast is gonna go far <laughs> I, I, I love listening to it thanks man I really do thank you yeah I appreciate that well I'm I'm lucky to have you here everybody first of all should go check out Squire's work at squirefox.com and we'll have that link on the website but how did you get into photography in the first place and tell us a little bit about your the beginnings of photography for you yeah um my mom was like this southern hostess you know and she had lots of magazines around she's really big into design one of the magazines i always saw was uh was vanity fair mm-hmm. and so i'd look through that from time to time and i was going through and there's this huge spread this is like back when they do spreads and like 10 pages 12 pages of beautiful images together it's just about imagery and there was a uh, peter peter beard and he was in the mouth of a crocodile writing in his journal which he'd kind of like you know, used his own blood to write in the journal. And it was just so graphic, but like beautiful. It like had all these elements and having, you know, growing up in the South, I always liked texture. It was so textural and and romantic and still raw and dangerous. And I feel like that's like the South. Um, So I was really drawn to it. And then he had these, you know, beautiful models in the African landscape and the storytelling that he did. I just just fell in love with it. And I was like, this guy is doing this? Like, this is like a living and he's being published and he gets to travel around the world and make these pictures. It's like, I gotta figure out how to do this. I'm gonna do this. That's awesome. So what, how did you start? What, did did you have a camera laying around from the family or what was your first camera, do you remember? Yeah, it was kind of funny um, because my parents could have gotten me, you know, some kind of camera. I remember always asking for a camera for like for Christmas. And I never got one. It was so weird. It was weird. And we moved around a lot. So there was a lot of changes and probably changes of what I was interested in. But but I was always drawn to photography. Like that was always in my mind. And it didn't happen until college. And I had to pick a major. And it was like, you know, I've always wanted to do photography. I'm going to do photography. So um, I dove right in. And where did you go to school? So first I went to the uh, University of Georgia. And when I got there... You couldn't even take a photography class to your junior. So wow. that first year was just foundation classes, and I was just bummed out. So I, asked my, I went to the photo department and asked the teacher, who I hadn't even met yet, you know, what could I do this summer to do, you know, get credit for photography? So he told, told me about the main workshops, and I could go there and get credit. And he said, incredible photographers come up there and these week-long you know, workshops. So I went up there, and that was really the first time I took pictures. Did you get to work with anybody cool? I know they have some big names up there. Sometimes. They do. They do. Um, I actually 
had my first class there it introduced me to all these photographers Marilyn Mark and John Sexton and Craig Stevens who's like this incredible printmaker and my first teacher was uh, Stephen Bliss and he was uh, friends with Craig Stevens he's like got to meet this guy Craig Stevens he's teaching at SCAD Savannah College of Art and Design and you gotta think about that because I can tell un- how unhappy you are because you can't start doing photography right now so I met him and he was just an incredible human being. I could tell how passionate he was. And he said, come to SCAD. And so I switched schools. <laughs> so you went from never really having taken exactly. a photo. Never taken a picture. <laughs> to switching schools to switching for schools. photography. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're doing all darkroom stuff at this point. This is, oh, yeah. This is Heavy printmaking. Before the digital oh. Uh, transition. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I had notebooks that were like, I mean, six inches deep of, you know, because it's all powdered chemistry and she's four by five and large format stuff and uh medium format like i wasn't even shooting 35 millimeter then after leaving school what was your first step well i got really lucky um bruce weber's first assistant anders overgaard was in town and uh we ended up like kind of bumping into each other at, at a bar and just started talking and found out he was bruce weber's first assistant and he knew i was going to be moving to new york so it's like when you get to New York, you know, drop by the studio, we, you know, we can hook you up. So I did that, and it worked out. And um, that's incredible. Did a gig with Bruce Weber and started paving the way for for being in New York. And then what was that like working with Bruce? It was good. It was amazing. You know, um, he it was like being like in a band. You know, all traveling in a van. Um, except he was in like some nice, you know, town car or limousine or something. <laughs> but like the crew, the guys, you know, like yeah. uh, it was really tight knit. So it was it was a great time. But I wasn't working full time with him. I was freelance. So um, just did a you know a few jobs with him, and and that led on to other people that were really great. Mary Ellen Mark, um, Jill Bensimon, among others. Yeah. So I started doing. Yeah, I was doing the assisting thing. What do you feel that you gained from assisting versus the traditional uh, classroom school setting? Oh, yeah. Assisting is like hyperdrive. I mean, you know, one day on set is like, I'm like, it <laughs> seems like a year in a classroom almost. There's just, it's the pace is completely different and the responsibilities are completely different. You know, you know, back then was film. So it's not like, oh, can you load a camera? It's like you have to load a camera in like X amount of seconds. And, you know, everything had to be spot on and everything had to be backed up. It wasn't one camera, it was two cameras. And if the lights went down, you had to know exactly how to get other lights back up in a blip, you know. So it was just super fast. How long did you assist and how long did you assist for each person you assisted for? Well, I probably assisted too long (laughs) (laughs) because, I mean, you travel around the world. Everything's paid for, you know, and these are the top people, you know, in the game. So you're around all these amazing models and, you know, art directors eating incredible food and having a good time. And, you know, and the guys I was working with, you know, the assistants were just fun. We had, it was just fun. So I kind of stayed in it for a good while. Yeah, sounds, you know, I was enjoying like life. Yeah. I was enjoying it, you know, nice hotels. Yeah. Great meals. A lot of fun. So then how did you break out on your own? Yeah. Uh, it was kind of this funny break. So, my wife, Stephanie, she was my night. We weren't even engaged yet, but we had met at the main media workshops. And um, she had a friend, Kat Thomas, that was uh, this incredible costume designer. And she was doing this movie with uh, Ethan Hawke, his first movie that he was directing called Chelsea Walls. Mm-hmm. 
and they needed someone to do stills. And Stephanie was shooting then, um, and that's how we met in the main media workshops. She was taking a workshop. So, yeah, we, uh, we jumped on that opportunity, and it ended up being great. The cast was incredible, and Ethan was really, you know, on to good things with his, you know, first debut directing. Well, I, I had the CD for the soundtrack. Oh, wow. Because, you know, I, yeah. I do some work with Wilco, but more importantly, I'm a huge Wilco fan. Yeah. And Jeff did the soundtrack. And so I had one of your photographs since I oh, was gosh. a teenager did, and never did you even realized knew that, right? <laughs> I had no idea until, so until we started hanging out. And then I saw, I was like, what? It was incredible. Yeah. It's um, a great experience. So that was your first kind of big shoot on your own. It was. Yeah, yeah. Shooting Leicas and, um, you know, being on set. And, and that created, you know, a book. And having all these celebrities, or so, I mean, the cast was just huge. So having yeah, all who these, else was in it? Chris Christopherson. Chris Christopherson, Natasha Richardson, little Jimmy Scott was in it. And obviously um, Ethan Hawke. Yeah, Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman, um, Rosario Dawson. Yeah. So then you put together a book of this work, and what did that lead to? Yeah, and having celebrities in it was like this instant credibility. So I had this book... And went to Condé Nast and I was showing it and got work with Condé Nast and started shooting a lot for their publications. So you were just cold calling, dropping by with your portfolio to magazines yeah, and I mean, this is, agencies and This things. is really right before the internet or maybe the, and maybe the internet was out, but like <laughs> no one was using it, you know? Mm-hmm. So you had to drop by with a book, which was great. So you'd have FaceTime, see people, show your book. It was all about your book. Didn't have, you know, portfolios online yet. Um, so, yeah, you're knocking on doors. How often are you taking a book around these days? Yeah, still still have books. Yeah. I th- still think they're important to have something physical because everyone's looking at a screen all day. Mm-hmm. So we do get, you know, just the people will say that see them. They're like, oh, yeah, this is great. It's so nice to actually feel paper or see a book, you know, instead yeah. of an iPad. I've actually heard that a lot of uh, people in the publishing world when you hand them something physical and they're flipping through, it makes them subconsciously think this work is worthy of being printed. It's worth it's true. being in a physical form. That's true because it takes that extra time. It's yeah. not it's not disposable in the way that swiping through Instagram. Or, oh yeah, you know. I mean I think editing now is so huge, and that's a problem sometimes with you know online because people just dump you know all these images because um, it's so easy. And, uh, you know, the, the pictures aren't as powerful, mm-hmm. you, know, or, you know, it's not thought out as much. What was the next step for you? I don't want to just go through your career because I want to talk about some of your work, too. But after landing this job with Condé Nast, you were doing a lot of work for, was it Lucky? Yeah, for Lucky and their other, other um, publications. You know, I was doing Traveler. stuff for Domino was around then, Domino Magazine and Vanity Fair. And so you were mostly doing magazine work then. How did you break into doing more commercial shoots? Yeah, so I was doing the editorial thing for a good while and then was looking for an agent. And so I found a, an agent that was really interested in my work and saw this as like kind of lifestyle fashion um, category. And so she took me on and, and that really led to keeping the editorial and moving towards advertising. Yeah, having someone else help sell me was was huge. As a, an independent freelancer, 
it helps to have somebody else wearing that hat, you know, instead of you having to do 10 jobs at the oh, same yeah. time. I mean, it's just crazy how it just takes a whole, you know, community of support. It takes so many people to make it these days. You can't do it. You can't do it by yourself. And I'm so fortunate that my wife and I work together so much. Um, she works as an art director for me, as a casting director, a stylist, um, production. I mean, it's amazing how many hats she wears. And then I have my agent in, in New York um, who's you know selling me. And then I have a, a branding person that I've been working with you know, for years. That It's not like branding in the sense of like, oh, let me make your logo for your website. It's more like branding of like, what are your strengths as a photographer and how can you, you know, bring that out of yourself even more to differentiate yourself from, from other strong photographers. So it's been this whole process with her too, to see what my strengths are and dive into them and, and, you know, exercise that to become better, you know, to, you know, it's like a coach. You need like that coach yeah. to, uh, to keep your game strong. And then when you get that feedback from the, the branding agent do you take that and set up test shoots how do you how do you put that into practice yeah that's true um these tests are incredibly uh, important because you know we're doing commercial work you'll do an ad and might not come out for like a year or maybe that ad isn't completely on your brand um so you don't have this work to show an editorial too can be funny at times about when you can show it or you know if it's really as strong as you want so these tests are great. So you go out and do something you're really passionate about and you can release it right away. Um, so these tests have really led me to, to better work because I just keep pra- you know, practicing, doing what I love and, and then getting it out. And it's often got me an, you know, another advertising gig from just doing these tests. That's a good point. You can, you can shoot it and show it right away. It's not embargoed because it's not actually. Oh yeah. You're you're in control. Exactly. Of the images. Yeah. So when you do a test, let's say on average, what goes into putting together a test for you? How many people are involved? Oh right. Location scouting. Oh yeah. How big do you go yeah. when it's when it's your time and your money? Yeah, it's interesting. So, pretty big. You know, I take it on as if it was a NAD job. Often I'll get um, an art director that I've worked with, you know, commercially, um, and we'll work on it together and go into like full production and, um, with casting and, uh, locations and often there are multiple locations. I also will get a DP that I work with and work on a motion component. So I've got to have stills and motion for these tests. So it becomes a big project. And since it is a test, it's so difficult with timing because you know, the stylus that I work with, they're great, so they're busy. And you know, the hair and makeup people, they're busy. To get mm-hmm. to get something, you know, on the calendar can be a challenge. And often when we do have something on the calendar, they'll get a big job or or I'll get a big job. And it's like, oh gosh, you know, I had this all laid out for this date, but I can't turn down this job, you know, that, that came up. I want to direct people to go to your website and look at this work because your lifestyle work, your editorial work, I I, I mean, I'm a photographer. I look at photos all the time and I revisited your website this morning and I was blown away. This is it's next level stuff. Oh, and thanks, how do you deal with models when you are trying to elicit a certain mood? How do you get them comfortable? What are your methods of right. making someone comfortable with you around the, you know, in front of the camera? 
Yeah. Um, well, thanks, first of all, because oh, right course. back at you, I love what you're oh, up to. And you're like crazy talented with so many things, with your music, oh, your motion, your photography, you know, like. Yeah. Thank you, man. No. I'm going to cut that out. Really. <laughs> <laughs> no, I dig you, man. <laughs> you're super talented. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think having moved, like I've moved like 17 times through the Southeast. It's crazy. Wow. So I'm kind of like a chameleon. You can kind of drop me anywhere and, you know, I'm going to get along with whoever because I had to, to survive. <laughs> That's fascinating. You know, like it really definitely made a big imprint on me. So I, I think, you know, I bring that and, um, you know, just setting people at ease and finding that commonality within us so that they're just super, super comfortable. And also often my shoots are really about like the epic day from sunrise to sunset, like just having this crazy day of of fun and good times and you like like you just want to be sharing those pictures with your best friends forever like do you remember that day you know when i see the lighting that you have going on in some of these if you're not looking at the stuff you know you're not considering the stuff that's outside of the frame it's just a beautiful photo but then when you consider what's going into it it's tremendous and it's it's really kind of mind-blowing for me to even try to figure out what you're doing in some of these shots because they look so natural they don't look staged in the negative connotation, but they're perfectly composed and the lighting is, is brilliant. So oh, man. I think once you, you've got the technical stuff down, then getting the human element in place and getting that correct for your vision, that's what I'm interested in trying to figure out how you do because you do it so well. Oh, wow. So cool that you understand that and get that because there's a huge set going on. There's so many people hanging out. I mean, it's like a ton of people, you know, it could be like 25 people and it's like, they're watching you have sex. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. It's like, you know, everything's showing every frame showing up on the computer and the whole bit. Yeah, exactly. Everything's lit and just trying to go beyond that, you know, and have this connection with the people and, and making all that stuff, become invisible and it's just this real life kind of moment thanks man for pointing that out that's really cool yeah, of course i don't know how many people really kind of think about that like what goes into it and what's happening on set but then you know look at this picture that you would never know all the stuff's going mm-hmm. on that's definitely the idea that's what i'm going for so thanks yeah of course i i don't i don't even think about it all the time you know when i'm flipping through a magazine i don't think about yeah like, I'm able to have that willing suspension of disbelief and, and exactly. flip through it. But then when I find something that I really like, I study it and analyze it and try to figure out oh, where are the lights, where, you know, how, how big is this crew? What, what's going into this? You know? Right. And beyond that, how much retouching is involved? <laughs> Looking at your photos today, I was, they didn't look overly retouched. They looked natural. And I really appreciated that. Yeah. I barely retouch. Yeah. Like all my stuff is really, really natural, Heart, like not even retouched, really. It's more like what I call a treatment. You know, it's just really the, the color um, and the, the, the texture I'll, you know, want out of the choice of uh, film grain that I'll apply to my digital. I really don't do that much retouching. I just try to keep it really simple and just clean up a few things. But there's definitely been situations with magazines where they've done a lot of retouching and even taken an arm here or a leg there and doing this whole kind of composite that just can get crazy. The good thing is the trend now, and hopefully it's not just a trend, it should be, you know, 
should be the way we move forward is you know we're embracing different body types and different looks and different types of people and that's really what's come about and I'm happy that I never you know went crazy with my retouching and now to see that you know commercially and magazines are, are toning that down is huge uh, I think it's a great move that's great. And it's great for all the young people coming up to see that when they look in the mirror, they're not like, oh, I don't look like this completely airbrushed person without even realizing that they're looking at something that's a composite image or oh, yeah. overly retouched. Exactly. So yeah, hopefully that'll be more than a trend, like you said, and lead to a healthier society. That's what I, <laughs> that's what I hope for. Hey, we all got to have a hand in it somehow. <laughs> Let's make things better. Can you describe your fine artwork? your early work from SCAD and from right after? I was really working conceptually and yeah. like I was really inf influenced by Joel Peter Wickham. Yeah. And um, I was into kind of like finding found objects that became more thematic and iconic and really focusing on uh, these different concepts of, you know, across the board that had like more meaning and symbology and even religious references. Does that make sense? That's cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've always appreciated the photos that kind of elevate a normal, everyday, ubiquitous object to a monumental status in a photograph. Exactly. Like just wanted to be like powerful and have a major underlying meaning. Definitely. That's yeah. what it was about. The image that I think of when we talk about this is the tricycle on the front of William Eggleston's guide. Oh, good grief. Exactly. Elevating yeah, that childhood, reference. that tricycle, that childhood symbol to, it's a monument. Yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah. an Easter Island head. Yeah, exactly. It can be all this crazy meaning behind it. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, it's just a beautiful, simple image. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I'm um, glad you brought that up. Well, I think that's, I'm not trying to uh, exaggerate, but I think maybe that's a little bit of what you do in your lifestyle stuff too, because when we're taking a photo of a person, you can take a hundred photos of a person that aren't special, but if you can find that moment, you can draw out that, that look that we all know, we can all recognize from a shot, the feeling that's coming through that, that little glimpse of their personality. And I think that you do that very well. And do you, do you feel that what you were doing in your fine art translated in any way to your commercial work, your lifestyle work? Yeah, I think so. I think it is kind of like pinpointing what is that special moment or more meaningful or, you know, that kind of a bigger picture that has some depth that just has that power. Oh, that's interesting. When the transition in the publishing industry and in the world at large went from film to digital, how did your shooting change or did it? It's been such a huge um, change. You know, everyone's watching you. It's crazy. Every image is coming up on on screen, and you're kind of working to get there. I mean, you'll be doing a light test, and the client will come over, and it's like you just first pop of the day. You're just setting up lights. You know, like I don't even use a light meter hardly. I mean, like anymore at all. So you're just adjusting the lights um, and getting the right ratio, and they're seeing it come up, and it's so embarrassing. Like you're looking at your dirty laundry or something. That's been odd and then like you shoot to get there you know like film you would really study it and think about it and and wait um but now you, you often shoot to get there just kind of keep the the subject comfortable you know like the the shutters flying they know like 
things must be good. I can hear the shutter and, you know, um, so you're kind of working your way to get to the situation that you know you ultimately want, but it's almost like you're walking, taking the steps to get there, but you know your destination. So that creates a lot more files. So yeah. definitely I'm shooting a lot more than, than if, if it was film, you know, um, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy the amount of time it takes um, to edit and to get the digital to look like film, you know, to really mm -hmm. get your look that you want and you're, you shot so much more. It's a lot of work. Are you doing most of your treatments or your editing yourself or do you send them out to people or how do you handle that? Yeah, most stuff, especially all the tests, you know, I'm doing, and um, and Stephanie, my wife, helps so much too. So great to bounce things off of, um, and she even will help, you know, when we are doing, you know, a color treatment, you know, figuring out something, you know, we'll talk it, talk it out, and bounce it off of her, and um, she'll help with retouching and and the edit too. I'll do, you know, big edit, and then we'll kind of like talk about like where we want to go with this and look at the layout and the whole bit. And it um, helps so much. And then my agent chimes in as well. And then when I work with my branding agent, it goes on and on, right? Yeah. Um, you know, probably like once a year to really hone in everything, you know, the website, the books, that whole bit. I mean, I work with her throughout the year on different things, but, you know, as a whole, like a whole big picture of kind of tightening everything up. So let's talk about the behind the scenes of the jobs. And you have your lovely wife, Stephanie. Uh, helping you out with some of this legwork. She says hi. Hi, Stephanie. <laughs> uh, you have your your agent and your branding agent, but how? What is it like working with Stephanie in setting up these shoots and some yeah. of the behind the scenes stuff? Yeah, again, like just the support that you need these days. You can't do it by yourself whatsoever. And um, I'm really lucky that we have similar tastes. And to bounce these ideas off of and get inspiration is incredible. And then she's like a force to be reckoned with. I mean, she's like Tabitha, you know, wiggles her nose and things just happen. She just <laughs> like, just crushes it. Yeah, so she helps with so much with putting these uh, tests together and, and the work I do in general. You know, she's always there. So it's it's been wonderful to have that support, you know, and, and the person that you love and care for and to have a, you know, common view on what the work is. It's been uh, really great. Yeah, that's that's great, and, and you guys are both very fortunate, I think. So. Yeah, and she's an amazing photographer. I love her photography. That's I could awesome. see us working on like in the future, like like working on motion or you know big film project or something. Yeah, I like to you know get her on set. You know, we've had kids, so we've been raising the kids, but I could see us working on some big projects. Uh, let's talk a little bit about agencies. How mm -hmm. how have you worked with agencies in the past? Your agent is based in New York as well. Do you ever go to meetings with her or is she going out on your behalf? Interesting enough, like, um, she, yeah, she goes out on meetings all the time and, you know, flies across the nation to for different meetings uh, representing me. And uh, she'll hook me up as well to go see people. But that's true. We've never gone in together. I'm sure there's agents that do kind of team up and do that. But at that point, she's kind of done the legwork, so she's got me in the door, and they do just want to, you know, get to know the photographer because they just want to know can they trust this person on set with, you know, when they're spending a ton of money, you know, how they're going to be, you know, can they handle the pressure, and can they make some great images? Yeah, so it's really they just want to get to know you. So, 
these days it's uh, when you were starting out you had your portfolio this was you said it was about the time that people were maybe starting to put their stuff online but you were walking in with a book these days people's portfolios are on instagram how have you started to use social media and your stuff are you still kind of doing it more old school what's your what's your method and what what are your thoughts on the oversaturation i would say exactly social media and it is oversaturated at the same time you can't change the game you know it is so important instagram or you know getting stuff getting work out there and so many different platforms so you have you have to stay on it and i'm not saying i'm the best at it whatsoever because i'm not but i'm aware of it so you know i try i try to do it and it does matter you know i've been hired from you know from instagram alone um which is kind of crazy but it's great that it opens up that world for other photographers you know to be discovered but yeah there's not there's not like a golden bullet anymore they used to kind of you know be certain tactics that really really worked and now the door is just like wide open there's not one answer so you have to kind of just find multiple ways to present yourself because they will get tired they're gonna get tired of getting emails from you they're gonna get tired of getting self promos from you they're gonna get tired of looking at instagram so you kind of have to rotate Mm -hmm. and just keep keep it going and one of those platforms will work but it it, but it takes everything these days when you do the traveler gigs or or typical magazine work what do you need as far as a crew yeah yeah um well like a travel magazine stuff that would be really just the assistant and and myself which is great it's kind of like a holiday just kicking around making pictures and then on the other spectrum is like a celebrity cover shoot oh gosh they'll i mean there's easily i don't know 15 people on set probably from you know a makeup person hair person to the stylist to their assistants to me having three assistants and a digital tech and then the people from the magazine it just starts to add up to a lot of people yeah to 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 make it happen did you get comfortable with that setting and knowing how to direct a crew from your assisting days yeah that definitely helped you know just being around it the biggest transition was shooting film you know so no one sees what you're doing and you just hand them a polaroid you know from time to time to check out to being tethered to a computer and every image coming up that mm-hmm. that was so weird at first because I didn't want anyone to see anything, you know. And that was so great about film. You kind of kind of had your secrets a little bit about, you know, what camera you used, what lens you used, you know, how you processed your film, you know, all these things to get your look. And then digital, it just would pop up in their face, you know, on a big screen. So that was definitely a big difference. But having having assist, like you said, just being in that environment definitely helped. On a typical shoot these days, are you doing both stills and motion? Yeah, really like every single job. It's so important. Motion is here and you've got to deliver and and deliver it well, definitely. And that'll separate you from other people because there's so much motion just kind of out there, you know, that people are just generating. But to do it really well will separate you from from everybody else. And and, and having, you know, your stills being impeccable, you know, just, just super strong. What do you want to do in the future with your work? What do you what would you like to learn or figure out how to do or or just create? Yeah. That's a good question. In the future, really want to, you know, really really embrace this motion and um, I definitely have some stories in mind of having moved 17 times and uh, it was a different era then too of growing up. I think there's some certain aspects of 
those moves and these situations I was in that hasn't been brought to film, you know, where I'd like to actually work with someone, write something, and then and direct it and make a movie. So I could see this whole collaboration happening with my family, actually. It's crazy, like, how creative my kids are. Stella, my daughter, she's, like, really in animation and character development. She's really interested in editing now. Um, it's just nuts. Like, she's just super talented. And then Law, my son, is this crazy, amazing actor. Like, he's so talented, and he's really in improv, and he's so good at it. He's got that wit and timing, um, and he just cracks me up. And he's super creative. So Stephanie... My wife, um, she's involved in like every aspect of the business. She's incredible with inspiration and so great to have that as a soundboard. And she's like, oh my gosh, she's watched, I think, every movie ever made, if that's possible. <laughs> she's pretty close um, and just has a wealth of knowledge and insight to uh, cinema. So I really want to make a movie uh, together as a family. I think it'd be so cool. Oh, man, thank you so much for being here with me. I really appreciate it. Oh, man, this is so great. Um, Seriously, like, I, I love what you're up to. And again, you're super talented and oh, love your photography and your music. And oh, that means a lot coming from you, man. Everything you're up to. Thank you. I appreciate that. Keep doing what you're doing, and I'm going right, to keep got you. trying to catch up to you. Yeah, so. we got we to gotta, uh, <laughs> well, we hang out more often is what we need to do. Absolutely. Thanks, dude. Uh, Thank everybody, you. check out SquireFox.com and at SquireFox on Instagram. Check him out. You're going to love his work. It's incredible. And check out all the links on the website. We're going to post all of the pages and Instagram handles that we talked about in this podcast. And we will talk to you soon. Right. Thanks, Thanks, man. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Look Over Here. And check out LookOverHerePodcast.com for photographs of our guests and their work, links to photographers we mentioned in the show, and more. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and please share the show with at least one person you think would enjoy it. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.